Bedlam came down to one thing. OU had Baker Mayfield. OSU did not. Even with a pair of bad interceptions, Mayfield was the best player on the field Saturday in Stillwater. Mayfield passed for an OU school record 598 yards and accounted for six total touchdowns. The dude, just incredible as a football player, and most importantly, he's an incredible quarterback. Make no mistake, the Cowboys' defense isn't Baylor. It's not UTEP. It's not Tulane or Texas Tech. OSU plays above-average defense, and the Pokes had especially been playing its best defense of the season in the last two weeks. And the Sooners' offense absolutely shredded the Cowboys. 785 total yards, an average of more than 10 yards per play, 62 points. ESPN's Jake Trotter shared a stat on Sunday. OU's offense has has an efficiency rating of 96.5. ESPN began tracking this stat back in 2005. And the Sooners' offense has the highest rating ever and In fact, the closest offense to this current OU offense in efficiency rating is the 2005 USC crew with a number of 95.8. Again, OU's 96.5. The Sooners offense is awesome. Like we've said countless times on this show, it's head and shoulders above every offense in college football. And only Oklahoma State's bunch comes close this season. Baker Mayfield is the man who makes the Sooners offense go. He's the best quarterback in college football. He's the best player in college football. And it would be a damn shame if OU wastes this man's talent and does not win a national championship with Mayfield playing quarterback for the Sooners. Luckily, thanks to a Bedlam win, OU and Mayfield still have a chance at hoisting that gold football-shaped trophy when the college football season comes to an end. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. Mayfield to throw it, pump fake, guns it over the middle and caught by Hollywood Brown, still running, Hollywood Brown, all the way, touchdown Oklahoma, 84 yards. Second and 10 of the 23, Mayfield winds up, down the field, Hollywood, touchdown Sooners, 77 yards. He was a junior college transfer from the College of the Canyons. That's where he came from, but he originated out of Hollywood, Florida. Marquise Brown, now forever Hollywood Brown because of Gus Johnson, scores from 84 and 77 yards out. He would go on to set an OU single-game receiving record with 265 yards The guy on the other side of those touchdowns also set a single-game record, Baker Mayfield, as we talked about a moment ago. The Sooners win 62-52 in a wild one over Oklahoma State. And once again, welcome into West of Everest. I am Lee Benson, joined by my brother Grant, as always. Grant, I got to give you some credit. I believe in our last uh, podcast episode previewing Bedlam, I think you predicted that Oklahoma would win this game like 60 to 50 in a really crazy, weird game. And that's pretty much what we got. So congratulations. I'm honestly taking no satisfaction in the fact that I nailed that prediction, Lee, because that was the single most... Uh, intense football game I've ever watched. I did not enjoy watching that football game at all. That was not a fun game to watch by any stretch of the imagination. I'm very glad that it's over. I was at work in Oklahoma City at News 9 watching alongside 
one of my coworkers who who also went to OU, and uh, actually he he walked on and played for the OU football team. So if you're listening, Brett, which I know you like to listen to this show, here's a shout out to you for uh, for being the uh, the go to OU football guy with the inside information. Sometimes, not thanks for time. listening, Brett. But uh, so yeah, I think he would echo your th- sentiments as far as watching the game. And uh, I guess I would as well. It was it was a stressful watch for both sides, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State as well. Obviously, crazy, lots of points being scored, not a whole lot of defense. The defense showed up at times for both teams here and there, and that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the defense. We're here to talk about the offense. We're here to talk about the implications of that game. And so the first thing, Grant, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about? the Oklahoma defense against an Oklahoma State offense because we all know the Oklahoma offense is very good, as I laid out briefly in the opening take. Everyone knows Baker Mayfield is fantastic, and the one thing that can hold back this Oklahoma team, as everybody's been saying all season long, is the defense, and the Oklahoma defense was lucky to get out of their grant, I think, with only allowing 52 points, to be frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really think there's, there's any way that else you can spin it i mean if that game would have gone on forever the teams the both the teams would have kept on scoring um i think you can give credit to the ou defense at the end of the game for bailing out baker mayfield uh with that last pick um you know the defense did make some plays down down the stretch um especially in the second half they they certainly made it a little harder on oklahoma state to go down the field even though they didn't you know necessarily have that much trouble going down the field in the second half but i I said it last weekly. This OU defense is bad, um, and I, I think I said in my in my opening take that that should be the prevailing wisdom going forward. And really, all we should be hoping for is just for for the defense to complement the offense. That means you know maybe maybe turning turning over the other team every now and then, uh, getting some pressure, getting some sacks. We saw one of those two things uh, yesterday, and I and I think actually outside of Baker Mayfield, obviously being being a wizard, being the goat, um, that that probably was the difference in the game. Was just those uh, was what was those was those few mistakes that OU did force Oklahoma State to make. So Grant, what do you think is? <laughs> I mean, there's so many answers to this question. <laughs> What is what is wrong with Oklahoma's defense? Because the Sooners allowed 661 yards, a lot of passing yards, 448, a lot of rushing yards. I think Justice Hill had a career day. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State had eight plays of 30-plus yards. And, again, you pointed out last week the massive red flag, Oklahoma State's big play ability against Oklahoma's defensive inability to stop big plays and – well, that was pretty much spot on as well, and, and sometimes stats don't lie, and so that was a, a very predictable stat that came to fruition. So what do you think is wrong with this defense? Can you put your finger on one thing? Well, I mean, no. It's, I mean, it's multiple things. I think if we want to sum it up as best as humanly possible, it's a, it's a mixture of, of not having elite defensive talent on the back end and also a coaching scheme. Um, so I this team doesn't have the same type of athletes that, that a Clemson or an Alabama would have on defense, but it, it still is, you know, one of the, you know, still should be one of the 25 most talented defenses in the country. And I think it is. Um, And so you would think that they would be able to feel the defense that's, you know, not in one hundreds and, you know, in, in effectiveness. So, really what what it is i i i I did not go back and and rewatch the game i i I think watching it in in real time spoke 
you know, spoke for itself enough. They gave up a lot of big plays. Eight plays, Lee, of 30-plus yards Oklahoma State had. And that's not even counting the other plays they had of, you know, 15-plus yards, which were a lot. So I, the, the defense yesterday, to me, just looked like a unit that was just – uh, that was reacting to everything and not just playing, you know, playing fast. And uh, it's just they they just look confused and it, they really look like they need to go back to fundamentals. It seems like in practice, I, I can't believe I'm saying that 11 weeks into the season, but it really looks like that's what they need to do. Here's my I've decided this is my biggest complaint generally, or my biggest frustration with the defense, because aside from the fact that it, it just it looks like the defensive backs in general just are are not sound technically on, on in coverage and it's almost like they don't really understand really what they're supposed to do technically in a lot of just basic coverages cover two cover three where they're supposed to align how they're supposed to attack um, and then also coming up and, and run support which is very difficult whenever a team is throwing the ball so well and running the ball so well sometimes it's, it's difficult to tackle in space actually a lot of the time it is aside from the secondary, which I focus on a lot when I'm watching because that's what I, I have the, mo- the most background in and understanding how secondaries are supposed to play. Aside from that, what's really frustrating about this defense that I've decided is that it's a defense where Mike Stoops, for the most part, and it happened all game yesterday, there really wasn't very many opportunities, if at any at all, or I, I shouldn't say opportunities, there wasn't many times at all where Oklahoma tried to force the issue and blitz Mason Rudolph. I don't think they really blitzed him at all. They didn't now, blitz I mean, at I, all. I, I watched yeah. the game back. I don't. I maybe remember one time, maybe two times. So my, my point being, it's a defense that likes to be in base and sit back and just catch everything and let everything come to it. Okay, you know, fine. That's I don't love that. But fine, the whole idea of that kind of defense is you don't give up big plays. And yet Oklahoma still gives up tons of big plays by playing passive. So in my mind, I think, well, why not just go ahead and be aggressive, get your corners up on guys at the line, get jams on them, blitz people, put pressure on your safeties to cover, because you're already giving up big plays anyway. So if you give up another big play, well... It's already been happening, whereas if you put pressure on the team, at least you're maybe forcing them to make a mistake as opposed to letting them just do whatever they want and let Mason Rudolph sit back there and pick the defense apart. And then Justice Hill run through an opening left and right when Oboe goes too far upfield when he's trying to rush on a third down play, and it's a great play call, and you got to tip your cap. It's just That's the most frustrating thing to me is that it's a defense that's playing very passive, which the idea I know is to not give up big plays – but it's still giving up big plays, which is a huge problem. A massive problem. And so I, I think I've been banging the drum on this for the last few weeks, Lee, especially during all of these struggles for the OU offense. And, and I've been saying, this is a team that really has been struggling with the big plays. So I just don't understand why not make an adjustment, uh, start to send a lot of pressure, be more aggressive, play at a thousand miles an hour. So you already are giving up a ton of big plays. What's it matter if you give up a bunch if uh, being aggressive? I mean, you're going to give the ball back really quickly to the best player in the country anyway. So I, I just don't understand uh, the logic and in, in this passive defense that they're playing. It's it's just this is not how you play Big Twelve defense. It it just really bugs me, and I they just I I I just really would like to see more more of a force of the issue here. Um, they and like I I I I don't know how many times I've said it this season. Just take the fight to the offense. I, you, you want the offense to react to what you're doing and not the other way around. Um, and 
it's 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 just disappointing to see, and it's got it's gotten to the point where it's frustrating. Um, but honestly, to the point now where I've I've sort of made peace with it, and I think everyone else should too. The defense is not going to get better this year. I, they 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 might throw out you know a game or two where they they play a lot better than they did yesterday, and you know it's it's almost impossible to not play better. Uh, or to, to, it's, it's almost impossible to not play better than they did yesterday. It was that bad yesterday. Um, but there, there were times where, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma State had pretty much whatever they wanted down the field. I mean, it was, it was embarrassing at some points in time. So I, I don't know. I, to, for, to me, that honestly just takes the pressure off. I, I just, now I, I'm just going to go into every single game with the mindset. I'm just going to enjoy watching the game because we know what we're going to get on defense, and I'm just going to try to enjoy watching Baker Mayfield play. Uh, the defense is is just, is so bad, and they they, they just they, they're at the point now where they just look confused and uh, hesitant with everything, and that's just no way to play defense. And that's just kind of one of the ironic things about playing passively like that that uh, like that, Lee. Especially when they're so confused, is that even when they are passive, they're still giving up the big chunk plays. Um, just not. <laughs> It's it, something's not working, and I, I just I haven't seen a lot of adjustments, and that's just really frustrating. I will say though, there is a bit of hope. I think Grant, and this is this sounds kind of crazy, and this could be nothing. It could be nothing, and there could be a reason why this wasn't happening to begin with, and we might find out against TCU. But um, we saw in the middle of the game, Jordan, uh, not Jordan, uh, Parnell Motley was benched. Trey Norwood came into the game, and I was watching the game back. And if I would have, at, at the point Parnell Motley was benched, it was in the second quarter, about midway through the second quarter. If I was told that one of the two corners was benched at that point in the game, I would have said, oh, well, the Jordan Thomas was benched. I don't understand at that point in the game why Parnell Motley got benched, because at that time, Parnell Motley wasn't really doing anything that warranted him getting benched from what I saw on film. If any of the guys, any of the cornerbacks were benched, it should have been Jordan Thomas. He was a liability at that point in the game, yet he stayed out there. Um, but what I was going to get to is that it, JT ended up bouncing back and playing a little bit better. He, he had really good coverage on James Washington later in the game in the third quarter, I think it was. Yeah, I remember on a, that. On, on, on a deep ball where he, he had great coverage. And if the ball would have actually been thrown – a little more inside he could have had an interception on it but later in the game in the fourth quarter he he came out of the game and people may have thought it was he was him getting benched for Trey Brown but Jordan Thomas had a, a big cast on his right leg around his knee after the game yeah he hurt his knee he, he's he's banged up and I don't know what happened I didn't see what happened to him uh the last play of the game that he played was the touchdown to Tyron Johnson, where it was, just, it was a really good, a really good throw. I, I'd have to go back and and I have notes on it, but I mean it was, it was one of the better throws of the night by Mason Rudolph and and Jordan Thomas just got beat on it. I believe they were in cover three. That was the last play, and it didn't look like he got injured on that play from what I saw based on what the TV showed me. So I don't know what happened to him, but he might not play next week against TCU. So we could be seeing Trey Norwood and Trey Brown coming in and. Trey Norwood coming in for Parnell Motley, with the exception of, I think, maybe about one play, played really well. Did he look played good? Played really well. He looked good. And he had a huge play, Grant, late in the game when Oklahoma State got the ball after Bayfield threw that pick. And they were driving, and everyone everyone thought that, oh, my gosh, well, this game's over. OSU's offense is going against Oklahoma's defense right now and needing to score. Oklahoma State's going to score, right? 
So they get the ball back, and you might remember this play. It was a slant to Marcel Aitman over the middle, and I'm not sure what Oklahoma was doing defensively. It looked like Norwood was playing a cover two on his side of the field, but Parnell Motley, who was back in the game at that point for Jordan Thomas, was on in cover three on the backside. There was a slant route to Aitman, and he had nothing but green grass in front of him because the safety position, Stephen Parker, had come up, which vacated the entire middle of the field. But Norwood got a shoestring tackle that saved a touchdown. I mean, that saved a touchdown. I don't know if you remember that at all. I remember but it. He, I mean, that's a touchdown, and Oklahoma State takes a, a 59 to, to 55 lead with, with two and a half minutes to play, which, I mean, Oklahoma gets the ball back. I mean, I'm sure we'd all feel confident that Oklahoma, with two and a half minutes and a couple timeouts, would be able to go down and, and score a touchdown, hopefully. But the pressure would be on Oklahoma and not Oklahoma State necessarily, at least their offense. So that was a great play. That was a great play by Norwood, and that ended up almost pretty much saving the game, perhaps, um, at that time. Well, and he yeah. also had some nice coverage plays too, as well, uh, breaking a couple pass breakups I saw. Um, and and he even go coming into the game cold. He was supposedly you know the the third guy behind Motley and behind Thomas, so he was the next man up. And he came in and he actually did look did look pretty good from what I saw coming in cold against, um, as my in my opinion, the second best offense in college football. Yeah, I mean, that, that's good. Uh, of course, there there's some hope there. So hopefully, you know, Trey Norwood can, uh, in the event that JT doesn't play this upcoming week, you know, hopefully they have something in Trey Norwood. He looks a lot like Zach Sanchez out out there. That was that was my first thought watching him out there, and that's okay. I, that's that's okay if if we get a Zach Sanchez clone um, out of Trey Norwood, I'll I'll take that all day long. Um, yeah, I, we're at the point now, Lee, where you know, obviously, I I don't like to see Motley and JT bench. Um, and I think I, I don't think they lost their starting jobs. If they're both healthy, I still think they're they're probably going to play. But in that game yesterday, it got to the point where I mean they, they were making a big deal about their you know there being three true freshmen in the secondary at the end of the game. And in my head, I was thinking, man, it doesn't really matter. It could not have gotten any worse than it already was. So I mean, they they could have put yeah, anyone I, out I, there. I thought it that been too. Better. Because they were I mean they they were getting burned on every single play. So it's not. You know who cares if you put three true freshmen out there? You're gonna it's going to be an improvement out of what they had seen throughout the course of the game. So there uh, was I, only one play in the game, and it was in the first half where it looked like having a true freshman in the game actually was exploited by Oklahoma State, and that was a a long touchdown pass to James Washington when it was the very first play after Robert Barnes came into the game when Khalil Houghton got injured, and and who knows what Khalil Houghton's status? I mean, he yeah he did he didn't come back, and and that would. I mean, he's a, he's a veteran guy, and he's a nice player. Uh, he's been, he's like, been a good I'd player like this year. I'd like to be healthy. I'd like Houghton to be healthy. Yeah. And uh, very first play of the game when he came in, it was uh, a cover cover two man. One of the rare times all day, Oklahoma ran a two-man scheme, and Parnell Motley did a nice job covering James Washington, had the trail technique, which is what you're supposed to do on two-man, which means that you let the receiver beat you by a little bit, but it's supposed to bait the quarterback into thinking he's got somebody. And the safety over the top is supposed to be able to come over and, and help you out and maybe knock the ball away or pick it off. But what happened was it was a great play design, and it happened again later in the game. Oklahoma State ran the same as that play for a touchdown. Robert Barnes bites up on Jalen McCleskey's in route, which left Parnell Motley man-on-man -man in a trail technique with no safety help, which which was, I mean, no chance. No chance for Motley. It was easy touchdown. And that's that's bread and butter for Oklahoma State. I've watched their game, every one of their games this year. They run that play all the time, all the time, and it, it, it works all the time almost, I and mean, I, unless, unless the safety is disciplined and doesn't bite up and stays deep. And, you know, I guess if there's any sort of consolation to that, I think I 
think there's maybe only one team left on OU's schedule that can really execute in that manner the rest of the season, and that's Will Greer at West Virginia. That, that's that's about it. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I, Will Greer can. I mean, he can be slowed. I mean, TCU slowed him somewhat, and Iowa State, even though West Virginia won the game, Iowa State slowed down Will Greer on Saturday. Well, no, okay. Well, we don't need to get into Will Greer, but well, I'm just yeah, saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. saying. Yeah, like, I, I do as, as much as I thought the OU defense was bad. Um, on Saturday, and they most certainly were. They and they were awful. They were they were atrocious. Um, the some of the throws that Mason Rudolph were making were downright ridiculous. So I, I will. They were. He he put some throws just right on the money. So I guess I'll. I'll and he I'll, also had some yeah. some bad throws that really he had some bad throws. But that's his that, accuracy that's, was. That's the book. Great. That's the book on Mason Rudolph. He's he's bad in the mid. He's his his accuracy is is below average and you know in, in the mid-range and it's spectacular throwing the ball more than 30 yards downfield I mean it's insane how accurate he is down the field um that just that doesn't really jive to me I don't understand that how can you be so accurate that far down the field I don't think and he's yet, insanely keep... accurate deep down the field no you that's don't? not no 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 I mean he's 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 the same to, and, and plus I mean he may be dealing with a shoulder problem right now I and didn't, I mean, didn't really look like it on Saturday his his balls were were more fluttery. I'm not sure if that's a word. Fluttered more than than even normal. I mean, there was some. I mean, for instance, um, first half that deep pass play to James Washington where he beat Parnell Motley. I mean, that ball was in the air forever, and pa- uh, Motley even got away with a little bit of a hold, caught up to James Washington, and still wasn't able to make a play on the ball when it came down. I mean, that's that goes back to what you said last podcast, Grant. Oklahoma's defensive backs need to get better at making plays when the ball is in the air and that's a huge huge problem and that was a play that Motley was there you got to knock that ball away you got to make a play on it and what does Mike Stoops always like to say guys got to make plays I think that's what he means by making plays when you have an opportunity to knock a ball away or break up a pass you do it you know I mean yeah I I, it's just Oklahoma really struggles at that in coverage yeah and i continue i, I want to go back to uh um just because you bring up uh you know the the idea of making plays i want to go to marcel aitman's first touchdown you know kind of the fade over uh, on top of jordan thomas you got to watch this again my my original thoughts during the game lee I, I saw all during twitter everyone was saying nothing you can do about that nothing you can do about that what did you think when you rewatched that because i disagreed i thought that was a play that jordan thomas actually should have made on that uh, what, what do you think uh, I, I that was a perfect throw and a perfect yeah. high point. The only I think the only thing JT could have done to prevent that would have been to get a jam at the line of scrimmage, okay. knock him off his route, mess the time, mess the timing up. Because once he got the free release, the ball was put in a perfect spot. I mean, it, and Aitman's got I think about four or five inches on JT, and okay. so he caught it at the highest point. So I mean, and that's you know here's the thing about Jordan Thomas. Jordan Thomas is not a physical corner. He's not a guy that's going to muscle muscle around or, or kind of imposes will over a opposing wide receiver and we saw that with Marcel Aitman I mean that was a great play I mean that not a whole lot of cornerbacks could have made that play again I think the only way that could have maybe prevented that was to get a nice jam on him mess up the timing of the play but later in the game when Marcel Aitman kind of boxed out Jordan Thomas later and kind of back shoulder throw that's a play where I think if JT was more of a physical corner you know Got, got again got a jam at the line was comfortable was confident you know to get that hit on a guy at the line of scrimmage as opposed to kind of just letting the, the receiver make his route and then reacting I think he would have been able to make that play more but that's just that's his that's JT style 
And um, it's just it's it hasn't worked very well for him for the most part of this season, unfortunately. Yeah, and I I think that's honestly what what one of the more frustrating aspects of the of the defense has been this year, and it really has been in the secondary. And it's come with, you know, two incredibly experienced members uh, of the secondary who have played a lot of football for OU, and they've still really struggled. I mean, we've we, we've seen Jordan Thomas play at, at, at times All-American levels. In 2015, he was spectacular. He was, he was the best corner on the team. And I, I don't know what, it, what it's been, or he's just, he's just regressed. And that's why I like to that's – why, that's why I wanted to say they need to go back to fundamentals. They need to go back to basics because we know that someone like Jordan Thomas can do this. He, he's done it. He's, he's played at a high level in college football. Um, so it's, 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 it's frustrating. Um, and also just another note on Marcel Aitman. Objectively, he's better than James Washington. Your thoughts? Oh, no. No, no, no. no. You don't think so? No. I mean, and they're different players, too. I mean, James Washington, I think James Washington is a, is a player that could be, I think he's about, goes about 6'1", six 6'1". Six six James so Washington looks small. He looks small. No, nah, really? Huh. Yeah. I, Mar- Marcel Aitman is going to be a considerably better professional than James Washington. Like, considerably. Interesting. Wow, I've, that's a, that's a, that is a hot take. Mar- Mar- Marcel, the, La- Marcel not Aitman the, Not that was, he'll be a better pro, but that he's better than him right now. That's a really is. hot take. Well, he's, I mean, I if, if I'm going to throw... I generally judge wide receivers by, by you know, if you throw it up, can they catch it? And I have that feeling with Marcel Aitman. James Washington is more of just a deep guy, you know. I, and he's good. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I'm just I just want to throw. I mean, Marcel Aitman is a is a stud. I mean, he's he's physically imposing. James Washington is not. That's basically my. Well, headed into yeah. the season, it was a, a popular talking point, at least in Stillwater, and it should have been around the nation that Oklahoma State had the best receiving core in college football. And the Cowboys do. The Cowboys have the best receivers. I mean, you're not yeah. even. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, uh, Tyron Johnson hadn't really done much at all this year, and of course, he has his coming out party against Oklahoma. Yeah, I thought he looked. Touchdowns. I thought and, he looked really. He good. is so talented, and I know Oklahoma State fans have been clamoring for him to get more touches. Well, there you go. There, there you go. And he, he was really good, and he's yeah, a really I, good, talented player. I, I, I came away very impressed by by Oklahoma State's receiving core. They just have a lot of options. Um, you know, I've I mean, seen Jalen McCleskey and Chris Lacey didn't even really do much, and they're two really solid, dependable receivers as well. Yeah, and it was the 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 Stoner is it Dylan Stoner? I've Dylan seen him. Stoner too. Yeah, he's I've, good I've, too. I've seen him make a lot of plays in games this season. He was pretty much quiet yesterday. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma State has some really talented receivers. Um, I but hey, I, I thought I thought the uh, the OU receiving core did a very good job of um, of staking their claim. Uh, to maybe the best in the country, even even though I don't think they are, but I thought they they put up a pretty good argument. Yeah, I mean Oklahoma's got the good, good receivers as well, and uh, I mean I'm not sure if I mean we've talked a lot about the defense. If, do you have anything else you want to add defensively? I mean I, I I honestly have a little bit of hope. I have a little bit of hope moving forward, and I this is going to sound negative, and maybe it is, but I like the idea of a couple cornerbacks having a little bit of fire behind them and potentially losing their jobs to younger players because that yeah. might light something and make them play better. I mean, and, and if they don't play better, it, it, it comes down to competition is always good. Competition, I know it's a cliche, but it's true. Competition brings out the best in you. And if Trey Norwood and Trey Brown are pushing Jordan Thomas and Parnell Motley at that cornerback position, great. That's great. I And I'd like to see better cornerback play moving forward because really I think that's a key to this defense. I think it really is because if 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 offenses aren't 
so confident that, well, you know, we'll just pick on whatever corner we want to in Oklahoma. And whenever they need a bailout play, they'll just throw it up to whatever one side and they'll get a completion. If they can't do that consistently, like it seems like Oklahoma State was able to do that a couple times yesterday um, on Saturday, that'll put a lot more pressure on offenses to make plays in the middle of the field where Oklahoma is not great, but at least there's more guys around there yeah. and there's more, more of a chance Oklahoma will be able to make more of a play. Yeah, I, I guess if if we want to look at at positives, I'd say if if OU can force three turnovers per game the rest of the season, they'll be in good shape. I I mean I and also I, hey, how about this? Fourteen points after halftime. That's it. That's yeah. all Oklahoma allowed. That's yeah. pretty good. I thought that's yeah. really good. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I I still but I I still think people are kind of kidding themselves if they didn't think that Oklahoma State you know, move the ball really well. Oklahoma State still moved the ball in very easily in the second half. So I, I, I'm not going to get too excited about that. I thought they played better, obviously, in the second half. And they, all, they, they played pretty well to actually the first three possessions of the game, really, for the most part. Um, it, it's, it really is that same deal, the consistency issue, where at times they look really good. I mean, and what weren't even just getting stops. I mean, they were getting three and outs. I mean, they were... Oklahoma State really wasn't doing much. So it, it's just... what. How how can they gain any sort of consistency? How how can they put together two three stops in a row? Lee, I did say, uh, and I've said it the last two weeks, get three stops per half. Well, they I mean they actually they did that in this game. They got seven stops in this game, and I I say a stop is is a is a defensive a defensive possession where the other team does not score any points. The Sooners had seven defensive possessions like that in this game. They had five stops in the second half, and and that that's good. I'll, I'll take that. But I just, that that second quarter, the end of that first quarter, totally unacceptable. I mean, they were they Oklahoma State was scoring on long touch. They, Oklahoma State scored on a long touchdown pass. It seemed what, four or five straight drives. I mean, that's Oklahoma State scored all their touchdowns on drives where there was at least one massive play on that drive. Oklahoma could not force Oklahoma State to just put together a 10, 12, you know, play drive and and matriculate the ball down the field like Oklahoma was able to do against Texas Tech, even and, though Tech was able to score. And that's, I mean, that's again, you got to limit the big plays. It's, yeah. it shouldn't be this difficult. And and I do. This is when I like to bring up that S and P stuff, the the advanced stats. The stats do bear that out, and that's actually been there. That's been the tail of the tape the entire season. Lee, no team has really been able to just grind out a drive and score on them. Ten, eleven plays, you know, outside of that long Texas Tech drive to open the game last week. Teams are not efficient against OU's defense they haven't been uh, the Sooners are, are <laughs> they don't need to be because yeah they don't need to be play. <laughs> and so it, it's we're really at the point where if the Sooners can just if they can eliminate just two or three of these massive plays per game I mean Do that's you remember that they're gonna I, th- I mean sorry. their defensive numbers are gonna improve incredibly I mean that's really what it is they're just giving up massive plays Do you these, remember the yeah. early I'm I, sorry I, I keep cutting you off no go ahead I was going to say, do you remember the very early part of the season whenever I was very concerned with big plays? And you were like, ah, they're random, whatever, it doesn't matter. Th- this is why. <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is because, like, when, when a defense gives up big plays, especially a team's like UTEP or Tulane and even Baylor, I mean, it's it's a problem. I mean, that's it becomes a trend because you shouldn't be giving up big plays, especially to offenses like that. And I meant I meant it in, in, in statistical terms. I mean, in statistical terms, they really are kind of an anomaly. But not when we get to the point where we've played nine games. Now it's it's right. it's very it's 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 not a statistical anomaly anymore. It's a trend. So I mean, that's that's obviously a problem with their with their defense. But the thing is, though, I feel like fixing big plays 
should be the easiest thing to do. Oh, it defense. should be very easy. It should be very easy because so, it's just uh, about playing disciplined, smart football. And and simple and, as that. And and one of the parts that's just so disappointing about it is just their their experience on the back end in the secondary too. And, and it's just that shouldn't be happening when you have an experience laden secondary and especially in the Big Twelve, given up. It's just it's it's unacceptable at this point in time. Something needs to be simplified, and something something needs to be corrected. And before that, we move on to yeah, that's all I have to say. Well, before we move on to the offense, a couple last defensive points. I'm sure you might have some comments. I will say that uh, tip of the cap, very last drive of the game, the defense for Oklahoma was on the field, and Oklahoma needed a stop. And you alluded to this earlier, but Oklahoma was able to get a stop. Which twice, is, two different times. Because if you if you don't talk about uh, the the targeting rule, uh, right, right, yeah. which I thought, and which which I thought especially was actually coming which, after yeah. that, the fact that they were still able to get a stop is yeah, that's and something you that, have to that's definitely a big deal. Praise they, them for. They, they bowed their necks there, especially after just kind of like a heartbreaking thing there where they got it overturned. What did you think about that thing? I, obviously, I I didn't have a problem with them overturning the call because it, it the the targeting happened before. I didn't really they got that right, I guess, in that sense. I thought the call for targeting was a bad call. Uh, personally to me. I thought that was a that was a really, really bad call in such a really important spot of the game in that situation. What, what did you think about that? I mean, the way targeting is called these days, that that looked like a flag for targeting, unfortunately, even though it's a play that five years ago and, and a million years, you know, that's just, it's a play that happens. I mean, yeah. you're trying to separate the guy from the ball and... I guess like but, I mean, the I, way it's been called that looked I mean that looked yeah, like I, I it was suppose are the they, helmet in a, a def- defenseless receiver you know yeah so. I I guess I, I was more interested that it just it, it didn't look malicious or intentional at all so that's why I, I have I have issues with it and I, yeah. I would have issues anyway I I've I've never been a huge fan of the targeting just because it's so subjective um, but I I realize they're trying to get that stuff out of the game. But I, I just didn't think it was that was one of those. I don't think they're trying to eliminate plays like that in the game. That was a completely unavoidable one. I thought I just and, and sure this might be just me being a homer, but I, I, I in such a big spot, I thought it was a bad call. That's my opinion, and I guess I'll I'll, I'll die on that hill. But I, I thought it was a bad call, and we don't have to talk about it anymore. But I, I did want to throw that out there, and I I I just I, I don't like calls being made like that especially the big part of the game when OU made they made a good play on that play they're they shouldn't have been penalized I will say it was interesting on the TV broadcast that Dean Blandino the Fox rules guy they bring in said that the part of possession is not reviewable and so it thought well it should be I mean it should be but yeah but (laughs) apparently that either either he was wrong about that or the officials at the game were like well you know what like obviously the penalty happened before the guy caught the interception. This is easy. So, like, I got to give credit to the referees for explaining that and saying, I think he even said the word obviously. Did he say, like, the ball was obviously not in the – or he, something like that? I don't know if he said obviously. Or clearly. But he, 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 he or, said clearly or obviously. But it was – I mean, he was right. They got it right. And so, I was, like, I, yeah, I, I got to give credit to the officials for actually explaining that. And, and if I was an Oklahoma State supporter, I mean, obviously that was a play where I, I feel like they got it right. Um uh, finally, Oklahoma, before we move on, for Oklahoma State supporters listening to this podcast, if you are, I got to say Oklahoma did get lucky on that last fourth down play for Oklahoma State. He was open. Ty- Tyron Johnson had found a cushion, and for some reason, Oklahoma was in cover two. Oklahoma was playing cover two in that situation. I don't know why. Fourth and eight, 
Oklahoma State's got, a, I think they had, they had at least four receivers on the field, maybe even five wide. When you have all those receivers, you're all, the base is cover three, which is what Oklahoma plays pretty much all the time. So for whatever reason, in that situation, they were in cover two, which has a weakness on the sidelines there between the corner and the safety, and Tyron Johnson found that weakness. <laughs> But Mason Rudolph overthrew it. But I mean, but the best part is, you know, with that weakness in the cover too, that it does require a perfect throw. And I, I know it, it looks different on with the angle we were looking at on TV. But that was a really small window that Mason Rudolph was trying to throw into, and that that, that was a really tough throw. So it was I, like the one ball, the one deep ball though all day that he actually that overthrew. he missed. Yep, he yeah, and so well, well he missed a couple. Yeah, I, I mean, guess, but you know, but I, like I, he, it seemed like he fluttered a lot and underthrew some, but that was one he actually put too much air underneath. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes the defense needs to needs to catch some breaks, and they did on that play. So I'll I'll take it all day long. Oklahoma's offense, Grant, I thought it was great. Baker Mayfield's great. Both interceptions though were bad. Both their interceptions were not. Good they were really bad. They were really bad. And that's honestly, it probably isn't that th- that much to worry about, but it is. It is. Uh, it makes me pause thinking that against a really good defense, and again, Oklahoma State's got a good defense, but like an elite type defense, it's like, oh man, Baker could probably throw one or two just because he he stared down some guys and didn't make the best decision. But for the most part, though, he he was amazing. Yeah, he was insane. Uh, the I, I thought, I I mean, I what what is there to say about him anymore other than I mean, I I think. I he's I think he's clearly the best quarterback in program history. I and I I can't even I, I think it's it's me crazy too. it's it's crazy me to too. say that now. I mean it's it's I to me it's not even a debate anymore. I, I think he is just the 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 performances that he's had in big games as as the quarterback for this team is just insane. Um outside of just, you know, a handful over over the three years where where he hasn't played incredibly well. Um there's just not a whole lot to be said about the guy. He's 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 the best in the country. He's, I, I think if he wins a Heisman Trophy and a national championship, hell, I think he's I, I think he's arguably the best college quarterback of all time, just in general. So, uh, he's the, the guy's in, he, he's just insane. He's such a good player. I just it, enjoy the last you know four or five games we have watching the guy because he's he, he's special. And that's why I made a point in my, the opening take to say that if Oklahoma fails to win a national title with this guy at quarterback it's just it's it's devastating if there's if, that's if there's I mean, one guy <laughs> if there's one guy who can put it i put a team on its back it's him it's it's him he he's the one guy who can do it and i mean it's just you can't he it's so not fair to him to continue to put all this pressure on him to have to score every single time they touch the football though well I mean, Lee, the defense yeah. has to get better it's just well luckily help for the baker guy out. luckily for baker mayfield he's got quite the array of weapons that he can go to if he really needs to uh, especially this time led by marquise brown and lee i put a retraction out for marquise brown last week after uh, or it may have been a couple weeks ago um, that I was wrong on Marquise Brown. I think I had said that he wasn't going to be much of a factor this season. Well, Lee, through nine games, Marquise Brown leads this team in re- in, in receiving yards. And well, okay, so your whiff was Marquise Brown. My my whiff was Marcellus Sutton. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I think mine mine's a bigger swing and a miss than yours. Lee, but, yesterday, um, Lee, yesterday, I, yeah. I, I, or yesterday. So we're recording this on Sunday after the game. This is on Saturday. I was texting you during the game. I think this was after Marquise Brown's uh, first touchdown, the long 84-yarder, where he where he literally just caught it and then outran everyone on the defense. I, uh, I I texted you and I said, 
Marquise Brown is literally DeAnthony Thomas, who is the the old Oregon star who led the the country in like all purpose yardage a couple years in a row with with Marcus Mariota. I said Marquise Brown is literally DeAnthony Thomas, and he's like the fifth option on this offense. <laughs> well, that's a poor use of the word literally. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. Well, but I get your I, point. sure, but yeah, you know what? I, I meant that they're. DeAnthony Thomas and Marquise Brown look player. They, they look very similar out on the field. You know what I mean? They're they're both small and they're both burners. I so remember back I mean. to I think it was it was probably in December, whenever before the bowl game, before the Sugar Bowl, and and Oklahoma got this commitment from Brown, a junior college guy. And I remember because I, I work at Channel Nine News Nine in Oklahoma City, and, and Dean Blevins is a sports director. And I remember Dean talking about how he said, "Hey, make sure we get make sure we get this news on the air. This is." This is big time news. I mean, this could be a guy that could fill in potentially with the speed threat that Oklahoma was losing with D.D. Westbrook being gone. And at the time, I thought, I mean, he's a he's a junior college guy and he's supposed to be pretty fast. I think he was a decently high recruiter. Like, oh, I mean, D.D. Westbrook was so good. Like, I can't imagine really replacing D.D. Westbrook. But now we're nine games into the season and he certainly hasn't been D.D. Westbrook, obviously. But Marquise Brown is is are an you, incredibly flashy player. Are you sure he hasn't been D.D. Because, I mean, he just he looked very much like D.D. Westbrook yesterday. I, <laughs> I mean, they haven't used him all season like he, they have yeah, the past but few weeks. I, I know what you mean. I'm just saying, like, he, he certainly had a D.D. Westbrook-like performance yesterday. It was nice to see Baker send, send uh, Brown on a go route and hit him. He finally I mean, hit the him. Only to, the he's, only he's time been he trying, saw, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. He's been trying. Finally got him. And it was, oh, it was a perfect throw. Perfect throw. So I, yeah, little little underthrown. He, but, yeah, he threw it a little late. Threw it a tad but late. Still, it was it, you know what, on that throw. It was nice to see a non Oklahoma corner getting burned on a deep ball. That guy was was it the same guy on Brown the entire game? That that poor guy had a had a long on that particular game. play. It was Rodarius Williams. Okay, which he's he's the uh, the lesser of the two Oklahoma State corners. And Williams is a nice player. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a nice player. He's he's flashed this year. And AJ Green's a really nice corner. And he had the interception on Baker Mayfield early in the game. Uh, A.J. Green's a nice player. And, I mean, there's a lot of really good players in the Oklahoma State defense. I got to tell you, it's – it's and this is kind of maybe a tangent. Maybe you have some thoughts on this. But it's super annoying to me, the uh, people that don't watch a whole lot of Big 12 football or maybe just kind of tuned in for a bit of the Oklahoma game and tuned out and maybe saw the box score. And, uh, oh, that's old. That's Big 12 for you. That, there's no defense. Oklahoma State is not the Oklahoma State of old where they really didn't have any defense. Now, Oklahoma's defense is bad. Oklahoma State's defense is, like I said in the t- opening take, is an above-average defense, and Oklahoma made it look like it was a terrible, awful defense. I mean, that's the Oklahoma offense. That's that's not the Oklahoma State defense being bad, in yeah, my opinion. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to nitpick that at all. I've I said it last week. This this OU offense is special. This OU offense is going to move the ball on everybody: Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame included. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, these. I think the people that don't watch Oklahoma a lot probably have this this in their mind that like, oh, if uh, Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma went up against a real defense, it would just be like, it would be no big deal. But no, I mean, they no. did go up against a real defense. Yeah, <laughs> they went uh, up oh, against Ohio State and torched it in the second half. Yeah, I, there's uh, this Oklahoma. This, we we need to put more emphasis on this maybe about how good this offense is. And you you said that you said that stat earlier in your take. And I mean it. I mean this this offense on pace right now is is the best offense in the history of college football. On pace, literally right now, it's that good. Nine games into the season, from an efficiency standpoint, from a weapon standpoint, from just how talent they are talented they are up front, 
this this offense is absolutely insane. It's I, and yet sometimes Grant near the goal line they can't figure it out and they decide to run wildcat and try to do those wildcat principles like yeah on Saturday on getting, that weird getting a tad to too settle. Cute. When they had to settle for a field goal, and I, I did, I did see some plays though in the game that that gave me some hope uh, for the rest of the season. They did get under center and give the ball to to Trey Sermon at one point in time. I think that was in the first quarter, um, on a on a third and one, and they, he picked up the first down easily. Uh, I I would like to see more of that sort of stuff. I, I I'm in, in short yardage situations like that. I'm not a huge fan of the wildcat garbage. I'm a, I'm more of a fan of getting under center and handing the ball off, uh, stuff like that. But you know that's that's nitpicking stuff um and i it, before we came on to record this i i had had some i i didn't I, I told you i didn't think the offensive line played played particularly well yesterday i thought that was the worst game they played all year you didn't really know whether or not to agree or disagree with me um so i guess you're just gonna have to take my uh take my word on that one your expert word for that yeah no i i just i, I just thought there were times where they were pretty obviously confused uh protecting the passer especially early on in the second half um, is it Glenn Spencer is, is Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator. Is that right, Lee? Yep. Yep. He, I, I thought they they had some interesting wrinkles there at the beginning of the second half. They they did some interesting pressure looks that definitely confused Orlando Brown. Um, and then other than that, I, I just didn't think they they for the most part. I don't. I didn't think they consistently got a huge push um, in the running game. Um, they they still ran the ball well. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, they they ran for over two hundred yards in the game. But uh, just the, the, I guess a lot of it came on that big blast run by Sermon. Yeah, a, a lot of it came had on a lot that of guys big, in the box, and, and Oklahoma yep. State had to, you know. But there, put, put all those people there, in there, and there were just a little too many plays uh, early on, you know, early on in downs where they're getting stuffed or you know for 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 a gain of one yard. But it happens, you know, especially run games like that. There, I they're not always going to be, you know, clicking 100% of the time. And I thought Oklahoma state's defensive front actually played pretty well over the course of the game. And I, and I also did want to bring up, I, I thought it was kind of funny that you were, you were praising. Uh, it, it's just funny. You hearing, you know, uh, praising Oklahoma state's offense, especially in a game where they gave up or Oklahoma state's defense, especially in a game where they gave up nearly 800 yards of offense. And you talking about how AJ green is, is a nice player. And I, no one in Oklahoma State's secondary had a good game. I that's I think that's pretty pretty clear to say. They gave up 600 yards passing. So it's <laughs> Oklahoma had 600 yards passing <laughs> in this game. It's well, absolutely the thing is, though, it's, it's it's and I and I didn't watch Oklahoma's offense or I didn't watch Oklahoma State's defense as as closely as I watched Oklahoma's defense. Obviously, just for tape review purposes. But Oklahoma uses so much like for an offense that's so explosive and not not uh, gimmicky like you know you could say old florida's offense with tim tebow was kind of gimmicky with the way they use tebow and how there's i mean they of, they ran the they lot. yeah i mean they ran the option basically yeah like i mean for an offen- offense like oklahoma that doesn't really do that they have a lot of p- ways to deceive the defense and that's another reason why oklahoma's offense is so a lot so of great is because the defense doesn't really know what's happening sometimes even after watching film all week f- of it so i think yeah, I mean, I guess you could say they didn't have great games, but I mean, like how much of it really was on them or how much did Oklahoma just out-scheme them? I mean, it probably happened a lot more. I mean, on that that long Rodney Anderson throwback play, I mean, I mean, Baker Mayfield missed that throwback to Anderson who was wide open against Texas Tech, but against Oklahoma State, he hit him and Rodney Anderson went, went for 6 when he was there's nobody even near him. So that I mean, was it's an, just that was an incredibly a, athletic looking play by Rodney Anderson, by the way. And an incredible play by Baker Mayfield. 
by yeah. throwing the ball that far back. Thank God there was I, no Oklahoma State players. I, okay, that's obviously I, a touchdown I, yeah, the other way. I'm really glad you brought that up. I, I don't think he Baker Mayfield's not getting enough credit for how great of a play that was. There were three guys barreling down on him, and he threw that he he threw the ball nearly 40 yards off of his back foot and hit yeah, and and probably yeah. blind like he just yeah. trusted that there was no Oklahoma like, state like cornerback sitting on that in the flats to take that away and go that's, the other way that's the difference between a baker mayfield the guy you know who's been who's who started nearly 40 games at the college level and you know just like a true freshman quarterback you think a true freshman quarterback would make that play never in a million years and so that's that that's the difference of you know when you see a guy like baker mayfield and you think to yourself Oh wow, that guy's really good, and just you know some other guy. So that and and I bring that up just because he made it he made it look so easy. It was just a oh I'm on my back foot now, just a little flick of my wrist, and there you go, a thirty yard <laughs> touchdown. That, I mean he made it look that easy. And I, the guy, he's so much fun to watch. And if there's, I I, I think any sort of. I, I think any sort of honest person is would admit that Oklahoma's defense at this point in time is most likely going to keep them, you know, away from, you know, from the bigger goals they want to accomplish this year. I think that's a totally reasonable take to have, but I'm going to keep saying it. If there's one guy who can negate that, it's him. And I, but 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 people were telling me that this whole week that if there was a guy like that, maybe it was like J.T. Barrett. <laughs> yeah, that was that was dumb. Do, Lee, do you want to get in, or do you have anything else to say about the offense? I have one more. Okay. I, have, I have one more nitpicky thing. Okay. And I really hope this this kind of this thing doesn't really come back to bite Oklahoma, and it, and it it almost did, based on the way the game played out on Saturday. And I and I know you'll agree with me on this, Grant, and you'll be happy I brought this up. First drive of the third quarter for Oklahoma, moving the ball just fine like they did most of the game. First and 10 at the Oklahoma State 23-yard line. Play clock running down. Lincoln Riley takes a timeout to avoid a delay game penalty. In a game where it's close, you need – it's the second half, and you, you need all your timeouts. You'd have no idea when you're going to need them. He takes a timeout to avoid a five-yard delay game penalty when they're moving the ball. And then after the timeout, Oklahoma doesn't do anything. And Mayfield was sacked on second and third down, and they had to punt. I mean, just take the penalty. Take the five yards. I, I hate um, burning yeah, timeouts. I, I'm actually going to disagree in the with second you on half. that one. I'm going to disagree there. I I thought I thought it was the right call to take the timeout in that situation, uh, because there was I I thought them scoring a touchdown on that drive was 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 of the utmost importance, um, and they were driving the ball really well, and I thought maybe a penalty there could could put them behind schedule. I I so I didn't think it was that I I that, thought I I, I, I I on a day where they were moving the ball as much as they wanted to what's five yards I I understand that but like I I was at at that point in time like I was I was honestly thinking if they score here then that's basically a sign that this is going to be exactly like the first half and then I think OU is literally just going to score every single time they have the ball I I. I I thought them scoring there and and getting back up by two scores after stealing a possession away from Oklahoma State with having them go three and out on the first try. I mean, I thought that it was huge to score a touchdown there. I didn't have a huge problem with calling a timeout. I can understand the logic of you saying, and I, you and I have been talking about this for damn near a decade about how dumb we think it is that you know people call timeouts uh, on first down, first and ten to to avoid penalties like that. I thought in a situation like that, it wasn't egregious. I, I I don't think it's unreasonable to to disagree with me, but I don't know. I just I'm I'm not gonna I just just. What, I think I think that's yeah. The way Oklahoma was moving the ball in the first half and then on that drive with 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 ease, 
five-yard penalty, nothing. No big deal. And, and the fact that after the timeout, they went backwards. So it didn't even pay off. Yeah, I, but I yeah, think, I, I mean, that's, that's, hindsight, that's, that's hindsight stuff. stuff. I, yeah, I, it, it, they won. And I, I, I just didn't really bug me that much, as much. Um, and you know what? Who, who how off? Uh, when do coaches not take timeouts in that situation? I mean, we're, we're, I, I feel like I'm, you're the only person I thought I've Lincoln ever Riley was different. You're, I thought he but, was different. But you're the only person I've ever heard say, just take the penalty in that situation. I, I've never really heard anyone ever I say. To, I need to coach football. So, I, you know, I need to start. I need to coach football. Yeah, but I, I, I did want to bring one thing up here. Um, we haven't talked about him once uh, yet on this podcast. I did want to bring up a particular uh, play by C.D. Lamb uh, that he made that I thought was really great, and um, no one was talking about it because you, you really have to look closely. But this was on um, the Sooners' second-to-last offensive drive. This was the drive where, where Mayfield ended up actually throwing the pick at the goal line. Um, but on third down and nine um, in, o- in in Oklahoma Territory earlier on in that drive, uh, Baker hit CeeDee Lamb over the middle for about a 20-some-odd yard gain on third and nine. And I just wanted to highlight, um, I want people to go back and watch that play. Just the route that CeeDee Lamb runs on that play was was professional. And I mean that in the sense that that's something that you would see a like a ten year NFL veteran do. And what he did is he was he, he was running he was running a deep crossing route over the middle of the field. And his job was to kind of sit uh, sit down in coverage, uh, just in the hole in coverage, just to sit down uh, so Baker can find him. Well, the original spot where he sat down was actually covered over the middle by an Oklahoma State linebacker. And so what CD did was is he kind of he kind of stutter stepped and he hesitated and he got the linebacker to bite going back on him and then he continued his route to a more open uh, side of the field. And I, I say that's professional because uh, one of the best segments that I think on Colin Cowherd's radio show is every Thursday he has Greg Cosell from NFL Films come on. And that's the exact same play that Greg Cosell broke down earlier this year of something that Julio Jones did. Something just so small like that where where you notice some guy sitting down in your zone so you just make one quick body movement uh, position switch or something like that just to free up and create enough space for you to sit down in that in that space and when I saw that that's the very first thing I thought of was like wow that's something that Julio Jones does and that's just straight professional that was an 18 year old kid who did that and it was a great route um so in a game where Marquise Brown I think you know took over the game um in the receiving core I I just want to give a tip of my cap to CD Lamb because that was a quiet quiet play there that was huge in that situation I just wanted to bring it up wow I felt like I was listening to Cosell there as you broke that down I'll have to go back and watch that just go back and watch it and you'll see and and it was 100% intentional by Lamb too if you go back and watch it and it was just it was it was professional it it was it it makes me it it makes me kind of giddy for the for the future of cd lamb because he seems like a guy who maybe gets it gets the fine the finer points of the game and uh, you know stuff like that to you know to add on to his his obvious physical talent so you know we we have marquise brown we still have cd and it's 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 a good time to be an ou fan um you know when you're talking about their offense of course (laughs) All right, we've gone close to an hour. I got to get going, so we're going to have to table other discussion about the day in college football, which it was a pretty crazy day. Ohio crazy State day in college football. smoked by Iowa. Just absolutely destroyed. Didn't see that one coming. No, didn't see that one coming at all. I was a the definition of a slightly above average football team, and Ohio State 
got embarrassed by Kirk Ferentz and company. So good win for Iowa. We'll see what happens in the newest college football playoff rankings coming out this Tuesday. Grant, I got to I got to say I expect the top five to be exactly the same. I, I don't think anticipate it changing. If they do, if, if, it, if it's different, it's going to be because OU dropped to like six, I think. And it would only be because they bump up Miami or something to five. But that'd be the only way I'd see it. Maybe yeah, I guess they might. I mean, they might do that. And yeah, it would I mean, it would it would be Miami. I don't think it would be Wisconsin that they bump up. Yeah, probably Miami. I mean, that's a nice win that Miami got over but, Tech. But but I think it's 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 pretty it's pretty likely that OU will remain number five. I would say that's fair to say, right? That's what yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I think the top five will probably be the same. We'll find out on Tuesday. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about on our next show, which will be on Thursday. We'll discuss OU's top 10 primetime matchup against TCU, along with the rest of the slate in week 11 of college football. And of course, the playoff rankings for Grant. I am Lee. This has been West of Everest.